welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm James Marriott, and there's no Dom Housen this week. Um, he is otherwise engaged. Obviously, started his new job, and um, he's yeah a little bit a little bit busy. So um, we've um, drafted in a very able stand-in um, who is sat opposite me. Having, I think this is the longest that anyone's ever travelled to record a podcast with me. Travelled from Denmark is Peter Lerman. Hello. Um, You've not come over just to do the podcast. Let's just make that clear. You you are in Sheffield anyway to see a couple of Wednesday games. Um, so let's talk about um, them. And this week has been a bit more like it because um, four points uh, undefeated this week and generally a lot of positives to take from the couple of games that we've played. Yeah, definitely. We we seem to have an attack again um, and be able to create chances. Uh, and thankfully, uh, thankfully Fletcher's uh, recently... Uh, Head, head, was able to uh, to get the win at the at the last second there. Yeah, it was the first goal. It was the first goal in uh, was it was it seven hours for for us this year, and um, it's also yeah. seven hours since I last saw Wednesday score goal at, uh, at Hillsborough. So uh, <laughs> spread that, that, over quite a lot of time. Though. Yeah, that went that went uh, that went right in the bones that that celebration at the end there. So uh, so that was really good to see and the togetherness when we scored as well. Um, they seem to really want to prove a point. Um, so it's it was. It was, it was a great end to the game. It was really scrappy, and Charlton nearly nearly uh, managed to to out scrab us. Yeah, we'll talk more about the Charlton game in a bit. Let's rewind then to um, Birmingham. Uh, if you'd have told me that we would go to Birmingham, score three goals, and not win. I would probably be surprised for about a second and then be like, well, this is Wednesday, isn't it? So, of course, we'll concede three when we um, when we score three. I'm, I'm assuming you saw the um, the Birmingham game. Um, so, it wasn't the greatest of starts. It kind of felt a little bit like, here we go again. Um, own goal from Jacob Murphy quite early on in the, in the game. But we did see a bit of character there that we've mm. not seen a lot of from Wednesday. So, I, I just kind of... It was that feeling of we're just going to fall to bits now, but we got back in the game fairly quickly yeah. and and actually sort of held our own right throughout. That it it certainly wasn't. It, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it was a particularly good performance, <laughs> but it was definitely better. It was it was effective. Um, it was a bit like watching uh, one of the old season reviews from from the early nineties of of a, of a low league team from England. Uh, I mean, some of the players in the in the, in the midfield must have uh, neck injuries uh, after that game because of all the, the long balls slopped over them. Um, both us and Birmingham were at it, and, and we've got good players uh, for that sort of uh, style. And, and um, ultimately, that's how uh, Birmingham got their got got their point out of it, which they certainly didn't deserve in in my mind. So, we, so the performance was. Let's say we we certainly bottomed out and looked. I would I would say that was a step backwards and a two steps forwards sort of performance uh, we put in at Birmingham. Um, and uh, I was a bit worried about how how we, that would carry on, but it it seems to have been an important step forward for for the, for the team uh, despite the last minute uh, um, equaliser from from Birmingham. We um, started off playing the uh, trusty three at the back. We've been consistent when we played three at the back because we've been absolutely rubbish whenever we've played that system. Um, and it, it, it pretty much continued. We looked quite shambolic, I thought, defensively in the first half. Um, I still thought we looked wobbly defensively in the second half, but it, f- it did feel like the players that, that understand how a 4-4-2 works a heck of a lot better. And obviously those changes that were made at, at half-time, um, I offer going off and us moving to that back four. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't get my head around the effect that Morgan Fox seems to have on the team now. From he's, someone that he's the road captain. such a, a, a dodgy start to his Wednesday career. He is the steady head now. And, uh, and him coming on the pitch, it just, it did feel different in the second half. Now, you know, like I said, I still thought we looked wobbly um, and, and probably at times it against Charlton as well. And we'll, we'll come on to, um, we'll come on to that. But, Gary Monk really has to abandon any more thoughts of a, a, a three at the back experiment now, doesn't he? He does. It, it was, uh, I think, it was just a, a forced situation for him. Uh, one, he was trying to get a reaction from the players, so he's fiddling around with the uh, with the personnel, 
but also with the with how he was setting out the personnel um, just to try and to build some relationships because the biggest problem for us in this bad, bad period, uh, bad string of uh, results we've had, has been the inability for our players to trust their teammates. So they've been doing this their, their own stuff and and especially defensively when you do that, you you always look like a shambles because you have to defend like a unit um, and preferably you should also attack like a unit and we've not really done that I think Charlton was the first game where we really looked like doing that um, sort of in, about, in and out uh, during the game but but it's we, we're definitely still uh, under repair uh, the uh, the roof is not on the house yet but we've seemed to have built a foundation uh, going back to a foundation that was solid before the the, the, the four at the back and, and a midfield that doesn't collapse on top of the that uh, back four but, but actually uh Actually puts pressure on the on the ball carrier from from the opposition and, and actually wins the space needed in the middle of the park for Barry Bannon to be be effective as a, as a playmaker. Um, so that's that's a big difference and and also having you can you can tell the difference from having um, players uh, in in uh, further forward on, on the pitch that have more football intelligence. It was very telling. Um, I'm, I'm jumping to the Charlton game, but that's obviously more reason in the <laughs> mind for me. Um, it's very telling when when Fletcher came on how much better we functioned because of. Not not only when when he was on the ball, but but his uh, off the off the ball uh, runs and, and work and the space he created for for other players is just unbelievable to watch. And you normally I, I only get to watch an eye follow, so so the frame will will sort of um, destroy destroy the ability to, to follow a player. But, but I tried to watch quite closely what he did, and it was brilliant from uh, from a good viewpoint at, uh, in in the grandstand as well. Uh, yeah, well, you can see everything from uh, from yep. up there in the, in the heavens. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely talk more about Stephen Fletcher. A, a couple of players that I wanted to talk about off the back of the Birmingham game. So, firstly, Fernando Forestieri, mm. um, who I think a lot of fans had him down as their man of the match off the back of the um, Birmingham game. He, he does seem to be a, a refreshed Fernando Forestieri that we're seeing at the moment. Now, the cynic in me would say... Maybe he's realised that the offers are not going to come flooding in at the end of his uh, contract, and maybe he should, you know, get his head down and, and see whether or not he can earn a deal at, at Wednesday. What what did you make of him against Birmingham? And um, second to that, I know that you, like me, have very much believed that Fernando Forestieri probably should have gone a couple of years ago, and and you know, really the time is is nigh for him to move on has your opinion changed on that as a result of what we've seen in the last three or four games um i'll, I'll probably get a bit abuse abuse for this but no it hasn't changed um i still don't feel forestieri is the sort of player you build a team around um because he's he is a luxury player and he still is a luxury player and i was talking about improved football intelligence before uh he falls well short of that in my mind um um, I'm sorry again to jump to the Charlton game, but but he had I think he had eight shots that game, and if you watch the highlights back, at least five or six of those shots he had at least one teammate in a better position than him, uh, closer to the goal, but fewer defenders in front of him that he should have passed to instead. So uh, he he actually wasted a lot of uh, good chances from shooting from from positions where where he shouldn't shoot from, um, and and. Against Birmingham, he was clearly still trying to to get into his to to match fitness, and he he put in a shift, and that's that's really encouraging to see he's able to put in a shift again. But there's too much of a mood player there to be able to to have him as a as a beating heart of a team, um, and you need a beating heart uh, going forwards as well as uh, at the back, um, because it's it's I think it's undervalued how much organisation can help you going forward as well as as uh, defending. Because we don't have the players who can just uh, dribble past three players and, and, and shift across in and, and someone gets on the end of it. That's not how football works and that's not how you, you, you're successful in championship. You're successful if you build a, a playing system that, where the personnel can change, but where the system does not fundamentally change every time you need to change the, the personnel. I hear what you're saying. On the other hand, he's still pretty good, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's still. Yeah, yeah. He's still. He, it does feel like we've got someone on the pitch now that can I, create something and that you know can do but, what but, only what a flair player true, can but, do. And and my opinion's probably not changed either. And I think that we um and, and we've we've got and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about oh we, you know we've got to give a new contract to Forestieri, and I think we've got to keep a level head here and realise that we we know from the hard time that we've gone through this season that we've got a squad here that, that hasn't achieved what it was meant to achieve. And that really means that now the time's come that we've got to 
we've got to move on and and and, and you know that's that's kind of harsh but it is what it is and that's where we're at and 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 you know it, it, it has to happen now and that means that Fernando Forestieri probably does need to move on regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season I don't I just I don't know if it's even possible for him to earn a new contract at Wednesday I imagine that Gary Monk's kind of made his mind up but then I mean that's quite interesting that for such a long time Gary Monk even when Fernando Forestieri was fit didn't seem to want to play him and mm. you know Dom and I had spoke about how for whatever reason he just doesn't seem to he doesn't trust or exactly. just doesn't fancy Fernando Forestieri. I think trust is the operative word there. And and some things changed there though, mm. hasn't it? Because now, all right, against Luton, he played him as a as a wing back, and I thought that that was him hanging him out to dry, um, in order to cut him out of the team. And that's not what's what's happened. In actual fact, Fernando Forestieri has had as many minutes on the pitch as anyone else has since. But then. but look at Odebacho. I mean, he got he got a second chance, even though he, he was terrible um, at, at first, and and Monk gave him a second chance because he, he he put in a shift in training and, and he showed an application in training so I don't think it's it's a case of uh, of Gary Monk being a manager that, that will um, shut a play out for good I know that's what's happened with, with Hutchinson and Westwood but that's a different situation that doesn't seem to be about uh, like a short term uh, lack of application that seems to be more of a mentality uh, based issue I think I think it's interesting that uh, Monk has, has really done a uh, done a great made a great deal out of of um, highlighting the players that put in uh, a shift and 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 play to the game plan um, because I think Forestieri is a flair player yes but he needs if you play Forestieri and he for him to be effective uh, and you're banking on him, on him having one of his uh, one out of four good games. You need probably four or five players that have to adjust tactically to cover for the spaces that he will will not defend defensively, and the spaces that um, they they will need to run into other places spaces because of Forrest Jerry because of the free role he has. So if he wants to play that way, I don't think he's a Gary Monk player because Monk really has an attention to detail, and that's also what what Fletcher and, and Bannon said about about him as a, as a manager. He he notices things and focuses on things that never never heard of, uh, a manager focus on before. So he's he's a very hands on coach, and he wants a team who he can trust to execute a game plan. Forrest Jerry is not the sort of player that executes a game plan. He's the sort of player who plays um, with his heart and not his head, in my mind. Another player that um, seems to have turned things on a little bit in the last couple of games is Kieran Lee. Um, I really thought that Kieran Lee was was just gone; that he was he was never really going to be the same player again. And I thought that his Wednesday career now would just kind of slowly flitter away as we you know head towards the end of the season. Um, but we've seen little signs of Kieran Lee doing what Kieran Lee does, and I think he seems to be starting to regain a bit of an understanding with Barry Bannon. Um, we had been kind of, you know, from week to week making change after change to the field and um, there's been a little bit of continuity there, hasn't there? And I think Bannon and Lee have been given the opportunity to start to, to build something and um, I do still worry about our midfield, but it has actually looked a lot more effective and, and a bit, a little bit more sturdy in the last couple of games. And obviously we did concede three against Birmingham and that's not, not, great but you know slightly getting ahead of ourselves but then obviously to keep a clean sheet against Charlton which is our first clean sheet for uh, first clean sheet in the league this year is it I think yeah, um, you know it, it, that that's uh, sorry there was Millwall wasn't there, there was there was nil nil um, but you know that's um, that's such a, a an improvement on where we were so I think we've got to give credit to Kieran Lee yeah, I agree but um, he, still, he still has that, um, that the problem with Kieran Lee is he was so good for quite a long while so he's one of those players where we remember him at his best and think that's the level he's going to reach but he's a player winding down his career effectively so uh, he what what we're seeing is um, and I'll, I'll come back to the, the term football intelligence again because I think it's uh, it's important uh, because Kieran Lee has um, next next after uh, Stephen Fletcher he's the player in the squad with the most football intelligence uh, and his ability to 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 read the fluidity of, of of the game in in midfield and and cover for the people or make the runs forward to um to to create the space for the other players that sort of midfield work uh, is something Barry Bannon is incapable of doing so so they've as you said they've effectively found a way to function as a, as a midfield too I do still worry about um if we play a team who have a um a, 
what uh, Cavalier referred to as a nightclub bouncer uh, in midfield, and he comes up against Barry Bannon and, and, and Lee because physically they're not the strongest. They they're, they're sort of quick, but um, Bannon uh, often is often quick when he has to cover for a mistake he's made positionally. Um, so it's, it's not a long-term solution for me. Um, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still annoyed that Luongo has been in- injured as much as he has because I've got a lot of time for Luongo and I think that's the sort of midfielder um, we need, someone who's not, who hasn't got a basic reduced role like which both Bannon and Lee now have, but is a midfielder who's able to do all the things a midfielder needs to do. So it gives a lot more dynamism in, in, in midfield. Um, but it has been good to see. It is a bit like with both Bannon and Forestieri and, and Lee playing better again, and also Tom Lee's in, in the Charlton game. It is a bit like um, some some band being reformed uh, and going on the greatest hits tour. Uh, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh yeah, and they, they close their eyes and they can almost see them, the band when they were in, in the prime and, and uh, it, it does feel a bit like that it's like the last hurrah for of the boys um, Jacob Murphy obviously scored uh, good finish actually for that mm, goal uh, had the chance to make it 4-2 as well clean through <laughs> one-on-one with the goalkeeper I've not watched it back because I just can't bring myself <laughs> to do it um, because you know watched it was the other end of the pitch from the away end but it, ju- it looked like everything about it was perfect mm-hmm. Um and that I, I can't. I wouldn't have seen Birmingham getting a point if we go four two nope. ahead. We, you know, we can really shut up shop then. Yeah. Um, defensively, I thought, I thought that the the equaliser in the last minute again it was slightly dodgy defending from uh, Wednesday, and and there were there were little examples of it right through. I don't, is there a solution to this? Because you know we've got the defenders that we've got, and whatever combination we we. We play of them. We know we, you know. I don't. I don't think there's any debate about this fact with Tom Lee's that when he's playing alongside an inexperienced or a less experienced defender, he's not as certain of himself, and and therefore you do get a different Tom Lee's. And we've we've only seen the really good version of Tom Lee's when he's been playing alongside a very steady head. So you know that that's that's where we're at. I think it's hard to see. I mean, you can combine the pieces uh, as much as you want, but uh, you won't get necessarily get a, a bigger sum out of it. A, a sum out of it, uh, if, if you do. Um, I think one of the main problems has, has actually been the the collapse of the the central midfield when when they collapse onto the onto the central defence, which means runners come come into play. Was not if no one's putting pressure on, and his most most obvious example of it was uh, was the, the 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 Reading goal, the first one, um, where no pressure was put on the ball ball carrier in midfield, which meant that they, he had all the time in the world for for his teammates uh, to to make a run for him to to put a ball onto, and that's where we struggle. We struggle when when teams are quick and fluid uh, in in their attacking play and, and move in between between the lines and move into the uh, the blind angles of, of uh, especially Tom Lee's but also Berners is is quite poor that at, at noticing players around him they don't really orient themselves I remember reading that um, uh, Sami the uh, the Barcelona midfielder he would he would look around different places uh, four times a second. And that's why he had that vision because he already knew what, where the players were when he before he received the ball. When you, if you watch Tom Lee's for a full game, he's always looking at the ball. He's rarely looking around him to see where players are. And Burner's the same. So I think that's we, we need to to if we we, we can't play with too high a, a defensive line uh, and and in effect not push up up as much as we'd probably like because of the risk we we then run of uh, of the the opposition going in behind us where where we are quite vulnerable. Um, I would say. Um, so it's a, there's no really fix to it, but it's, it was really interesting at the Charlton game to see how it wasn't Tom Lees uh, who marshaled that back for. It was Morgan Fox. Uh, he was a guy pointing. He was a guy shouting. He, he was a guy that the others, the others in the defence follow when he moved up and down the pitch uh, when he moved the defensive line. So, I mean, playing playing uh, with a crazy thought could Morgan Fox be a central uh, defender at some point in his career? He's played there, hasn't he? He's played there for Wednesday, but yeah. not um, only through kind of last resort yeah. um, options. Um, he's he's not the tallest, but um, I don't think any of our back four are, are the tallest. So, oh, well, obviously, you've got Iofa that's got a bit of height there. Uh, possibly, possibly so. But, know. you know, he... he, he uh, He's obviously he's got his confidence at the moment, and that means that you know he is being more vocal. And I think one of my actual complaints about uh, Morgan Fox would be the fact that he would just kind of sink into a game, and and it, 
he, he didn't take a great deal of responsibility. He didn't mm. take the you know the game by the scruff of the yep. neck. He, he was he wasn't that kind of player. Um, and it's very strange that we've we've seen that you know go complete you know full one eighty now. And and mm. and you know he is one of the the leaders mm. at the moment. Mm. Um, I worry if he makes a mistake whether or not it, it'll hit him and whether or not he'll kind of sink back to. Well, we did. know that there is another Morgan Fox because we've yeah, seen yeah. that version of Morgan but, Fox. But he did that against Charlton actually. He made a terrible crossfield ball. Um, I think it was about 10, 15 minutes into the game and it didn't affect his, uh, the rest of his performance. Fair point. So, so he recovered. But that's it. not a mistake that gives away a goal, is it? I think it's, it's no, when, true. when you, you know, we've seen yeah, Fox yeah. make a few mistakes that have ultimately led to, to goals. And actually we've seen him probably not make mistakes himself that lead to goals, but he still gets the blame because yeah. he's he's made a mistake somewhere in that passage he's, of he's, play because that's where we to, were right then. He's, he's, he's often been left to, uh, to, uh, to carry the can. Uh, a guy like Bannon is, is quite... Uh, it's quite bad at that that passing the the bucket to to another player, and it's it's often been in when Fox was struggling, he'd often pass the ball to Fox with two players bearing down on Fox. So it's seeming a bit like we've done with with Dawson. Uh, when you pass the ball backwards and let a player receive the ball under pressure, you you risk re- conceding a goal from that. So sometimes it's better just booting it into the sand uh, if that's the option you have. Um, and I think Fox has often been um, at the end of, of uh, as you said, the, the blame game because um, players with a lot more ability on the ball than him uh, pass the ball to him um, rather than, than get on with that with their jobs uh, effectively. Uh, but it's it's just we 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 do have to recruit at uh, at central defence uh, regardless this summer, and uh, we do have to get out of the habit of recruiting someone who's ready-made and we do have to um, have the patience to uh, get a pl- get players in that will take time to reach their prime but who will also increase in both ability and, and value. Um, and uh, that, that's that's how I see it anyway because we, with Iolfa we've got someone with a future ahead of him. Lees is getting getting there. Burner is not going to last forever either. So we definitely need one, one extra body in there. Um, and that, that could help the, the the leadership issue um, at the same time, um, but yeah, who knows? I, I I agree with most of that. Um, I and, and I've said this a few times. I really worry where the burner is actually going to be good enough mm. because I see um, uh, moments of of Julian Burner that make me think. You know, you kind of talk about football intelligence and mm. reading the game and stuff, and 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 he's very. Um, I, I want the ball to over there, so I'm just going to kick it over there. Like, yeah. the, the, there's not. You, you think about snooker players, and they're always thinking, you know, kind of two yeah. or three shots yeah. ahead. Julian Burder is a, is a little bit simplistic in, in, in his reactive. approach to defending, yeah. and you know we've seen him ultimately get into trouble because of yeah. that. You know, it can cause problems mm. because. Um, uh, ultimately rubs off on everyone else as well. Everyone becomes un- un- unsteady. And m- my other fear with Burner is that he might think he's a little bit better than he is on the ball. And, yeah. and, and you know, he, r- he does run and, and he makes me so nervous. He, he really seems to run the risk of getting caught in possession. And it will happen at some point. He will get caught in possession. It was very close against Charlton, wasn't it? It was very, he was very close. <laughs> and I think um, maybe maybe I'm being unfair on him, but I wonder just whether or not he, he has a nice little bit of luck going on his side at, at the moment. Um, but we'll see on that. All, all I'm saying, I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't want to sound like I'm slagging him off because that's that's not. You know, he, he he does a job and and he does that job pretty well. But whether long term, I really see him being a solution in that back four. Um, uh, once you know Gary Monk kind of is able to put his own stamp on it, I'm I'm not sure. Mm. I think that I offer probably and obviously he's out of the team at, yep. at the moment mm. and I still think long term that he will become the kind of the linchpin of that defence but I, I think probably we probably need another couple of central defenders yep. ultimately um, easy to say because you know we've been saying this for years haven't we yep. um, and we, we've actually you know we've done we've done better in terms of recruitment in that department yeah, than we yeah. have done for a, a long time but yeah. um, all right so let's um, let's talk about the Charlton game Overall, we absolutely dominated that game, didn't we? And and, and yep. it looked like, and Gary Monk said it, and we'll, we'll hear from him in a bit, um, that it it just it had that feeling of one of those days where we're going to throw the kitchen sink at them, um, and you know the, the, there were some there were some decent chances in there, and it just looked like it wasn't going to happen. Also, though the single best way of winning a football match oh, yes. is you know in the in the fifth minute of four minutes added on. Oh yeah, so it was. Uh 
I think you, it's it's hard to be. Uh, well, I, I did see the uh, the the ad board with the Viagra um, commercial, so so <laughs> so it was definitely orgasmic uh, how that game ended. That's that's for sure, and you could tell from the reaction reaction was. <laughs> well, there's one thing winning at five minutes into in injury time. It's another thing winning against a team who's been time wasting since the twenty third minute. It was it. It looked like a, a microcosm of, of this season uh, before we were, before we went bad after after Christmas, where we create a lot of uh, decent chances but not open chances. Um, and one of the reasons for for that was Charleston being very uh, very deep and very narrow. Um, and I think the the reason we dominated so much was Forestieri uh, was good at coming deep, and Fletcher of, of course also did that coming deep centrally. Uh, between the lines and receiving the ball and then spreading the ball, getting, getting, giving the ball back to Bellin, for instance, and and in that time we'd create a lot of space on on the on the, on the wings. So our wing is often had one-on-one uh, duels uh, for for them to to uh, to absolve and, and dribble past and, and and get across in um, uh, and or get onto the second ball. So that was that was a big part of it. Charlton were. And they are Charlton's underlying numbers. They're one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, team in in the division, and have one of the worst. I think it's actually the worst uh, defense in the division. But they've been all performing, and and I think their goalkeeper's probably uh, part of that. He made a cracking save from uh, from a Fletcher header as well. Um, so it's, it was it was quite simple the game plan that worked for us. I still thought we looked um, laboured uh, when we were going forward. It was a bit like here's the ball do something with it rather than here's the ball I'm going to be there in five seconds so you need to put the ball there and the, I didn't feel like there was a, a plan being executed as much as I, I would have hoped um, but we still got a lot of chances away because Charlton yeah. were poor <laughs> and there, was, I, there were some decent moves I thought from mm. Wednesday there were times where actually it and, and it's been a while since there's kind of been something that makes you want to stand up and applaud yeah, yeah. like during the passage of yeah, play yeah. where you're like alright that's uh, and, and you know we it, everything's relative isn't it and we're comparing it to an awful few weeks so even though you you write and I, and I still didn't feel throughout the whole game that we particularly played as a collective um mm. and the the you know there, there were still things that you could come away with and say well that needs a bit of work and that needs a bit of work and and and, and there'd be you know fair comments but um overall there, there were so many more positives to to yeah. take from it True. um obviously return of the king stephen fletcher um, he, in an interview that he did um, afterwards, he talked about he'd taken time out to talk to the, the players. Now, mm. I've, I've never been in a football team, unsurprisingly, and I don't <laughs> know how these things work. But for me, it would seem a, a little bit unusual for a player to get the other players together who's who's not the captain. And we know he's not even the vice captain because um, Barry Bannon fills in when, when Tom Lees isn't, isn't playing. But to me, that's the sign of the leader of the dressing room. Yeah, and it's it's down to seniority as well, um, and him having um, ranking seniority over most of the players in the dressing room probably, and him being that's because he's about hundred, about hundred years old. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but he, uh, but he's it's interesting uh, because uh, Monk after the uh, after uh, after the game, oh, was it before uh, the, in the pre-match presser? I think that was it. Yeah, he talked about how the players uh, in modern dressing rooms, and he's referring to him be, having been in dressing rooms for twenty-five years. Um, so he kn- probably knows a bit about it, and he says uh, the problem with the Wednesday dressing ro- room um, between lines. Anyway, he said uh, was that the players were too worried about being liked by the other players, so there were no one who were who who would get into a conflict with each other if they weren't performing. For instance, they they were two good mates, you could almost say, and that's like the that's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because we got a really a, a group that's been together a really long time, a lot of them. But the flip side of that is that they they grow stale together, a bit like an old couple uh, that have been married for for too many years and and, and bring up uh, incidents twenty years ago when when they, when they get together and all that. But I think it's it's a really really good sign because it shows you that that monks' idea of having players that aren't just doing their task, but they're taking responsibility for the team. That's going th- that's that's getting through to them, and even players like like Fletcher, uh, even at his age and, and seniority. Uh, is learning new things from Monk, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, so, so I think it's a really, really good sign. I know that um, Stuart Weber at Norwich, the, the sporting director there, he uses a lot of his time actually at arranging uh, talks with sports psychologists, um, all sorts of different people from completely different backgrounds to football. But 
just letting the players know about how other people deal with tough mental situations or deal with being an elite athlete and and, and, st- and stuff like that. It's not just motivational posters stuff. It's it's more building human beings. Uh, and and ultimately, if you look at someone like Paul Warren at, at Rotherham, he's, that's also a point he makes uh, a lot. That he's not worried about the football first and foremost. He's worried about the human being. And if the human being is is uh, is is um, developing well you will have a good football as well. So that's an interesting twist on it. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a, a Stephen Fletcher that feels he can he can give something to this team uh, rather other than just his many goals and his, his excellent uh, football intelligence. But for him to stand up and and, uh, and support the uh, uh, the gaffer and, 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 and Bannon to do the same, that, that sends a really important signal to the other players. This is a guy whose plan you need to buy into. You can't just uh, down tools when, when we go 1-0 down. We need to to fight for this guy. And that's a... If there's anything good to come out of this really, really glum period we've gone through, it's that. Because we need that. Um, you, if, with an impending points deduction, with the next season where we're going to have a huge squad overhaul, we need to have uh, a basis where we have a group of players who trust the manager in charge of the team. Let's get the thoughts of the manager then. And um, these are the comments of Gary Monk after the Charlton game. No, of course, very pleased. Um, I think the the main thing is we deserve to win that game. Um, but yeah, as the seconds tick down, you're, you're thinking, probably going to be coming in here and, and saying we did everything but put the ball in the back of the net. We had some glorious chances and for whatever reasons we just felt like it wasn't going to go in but um, I think what was being most pleasing especially these last two games much more like ourselves much more to the performance levels that I expect and the players expect and our fans expect and, and what we were doing up to that Christmas period and um, in these last two games you know, we've tried to fight back for that we'd have liked to have done it earlier um, but that period a lot of it self-inflicted where we didn't do it um, some of it unfortunate but yeah very pleasing in these last two games to show that spirit and that mentality and, and even today when we went right to the very end and, and kept pushing and, and got our deserved win that's what we deserved I think yeah we haven't changed anything um, for me it's mentality and, and that extra 5% that you need and that can often be the difference um, but for performance levels I've said it all along when this group is right at it they have the highest work rate the highest attitude um, that's when their capabilities come out I said that all the way from the very start when I came in and oh, that's for the reason why we got to third place um, and for various reasons self-infliction and, and some unfortunate situations in this run where we've come off it and we've let ourselves down in, in a lot of those situations but uh, as I've always said to the players or even through these difficult moments and difficult run that we've been on um, it's only us that can change it and what we have to do is stick together no matter what some really fair criticism we've received you have to take that on the chin and be men about it but come fighting back and in these last two games we've hit a much higher standard of what we expect and should be sat here with six points from the last two games but for me the performance levels the attitude the work rate um, has been right back to where to where I expect and um, and yeah and we got the rewards for that tonight uh, so while you're here, obviously you're here for the uh, game against uh, Derby. We'll chat about that in uh, a minute. I want to ask your opinion, Peter, on... Um, I, we need to give it a name, actually, but this thing with the um, the players that have been effectively you know, shut out. So the, the, the players who um, are not involved at the at the moment. I don't know what we call it. Monkgate? I don't know what it would be. Excommunication? Uh, Samgate? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, everyone, everyone's kind of got an opinion on this and, mm. and, and I know that Wednesday fans' opinions have, have really, you know, spanned the full range of yeah. views on it. Um and, and probably always will do because, you know, there are people that, that will look at the way that we're playing right now and how exposed the defence is and saying you've got a player in Sam Hutchinson who can sort that out, sat there not playing. Um so, you know, I absolutely see both sides of it. What what are your thoughts? Uh, I think Mongo's doing the right thing. Uh, he's con- he's actually thinking about the future rather than just the next game even though he says uh, the most important thing is the next game but he's always stressing that I'm building for the future I'm trying to achieve something here that's long term but I also need the results short term to to be able to to carry that on and I think it's been long overdue that, that someone stood up to the the sometimes uh, worrying culture amongst the players of Show Wednesday and I think that's what he's doing. Um, and 
I would actually challenge the point that we need Sam Hutchinson because what Sam Hutchinson does and and did do uh, before he was ostracized was make us more fragile defensively. I know that sounds might sound the wrong way around for a lot of people. My point is Sam Hutchinson is another, and this is the term apparently the term of the of the podcast is another who who does not have a lot of football intelligence. So if you play him and Bannon together in the midfield too, you will always have big holes in that midfield and and a smart opposition will be able to find quite big pockets of space behind or around those two uh, and then be able to to, to, to dominate them. And, and Sam Hutchinson might make his uh, his usual uh, 20 cycles and, uh, and and 10 fouls and, and, and one yellow card in that game, but if that does not help, if, if that's only a reaction to the opposition assaulting us uh, in midfield because they, they're able to, that's not the sign of a player that um, is dominating game. It's a sign of a player who's reacting to a game. And we need to be a team that can create games and dominate games. And we're definitely not there yet, but there are encouraging signs uh, against Charlton. And it's not just about, it's, this, is, this, this is not uh, a game of FIFA, it's not a game of football manager. You don't just pick your 11 best players and then, and then click play and, and, uh, and, and they, they'll win games. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. You need to, to foster mental, a mentality. And that is, well, in, in the sport of golf, for instance, they say that 95% of, uh, of, of the game is, is, is between the ears and, and the rest of it is technique. I think football is, is similar. It's, it's it's very much a men, men, mentality game, and and Monk has identified, uh, which Luke I also did that that uh, Kieran Westwood especially, but also Sam Hutchinson is having a detrimental effect on on the the culture, on 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 creating a culture of competition, of of um, motivation, of ambition um, in in the dressing room, um, and. I've been, I've been thinking Kieran Westwood should have been moved on last summer uh, and I've been advocating his sale for, for quite a while. Sam Hutchinson has, has always had that ability to rouse his teammates, but we, we've not even seen that this season. He's playing for himself as well, um, which is why he's next to has next to no value to a team anymore, in my opinion. Uh, which is a big shame because I like him as a person. I really like him as a person. He's he's uh, and and he has by far the most interesting interviews uh, of any of the players of, of Wednesday. Um, so so it, it's it's a guy I would love to listen to. It's it's he's a clearly intelligent guy, um, as in in normal intelligence, not football intelligence. And he's he's a very with the stuff he's gone through. He's a, he's a very reflective guy as well. So I think there might be a part of him that realizes, yeah, I've I've probably outstayed uh, the things I can do here. I've outstayed my welcome because uh, I might think that I can still turn it on, but if you can only turn it on once every four games, that's again that's not a building block for for a successful team um, in, in the future. And he is getting on a bit, and he is injury prone because of how his physique is, uh, which is really a big crying shame because. Who wouldn't have loved to see uh, the career of Sam Hutchinson if he's, he'd not had the uh, the injuries he has? But we need to stop having players in the team that we can't rely on, which is Monk's point. And we can't yep. rely on, on Hutchinson because of his. And he said this this uh, completely explicitly, uh, Monk. We can't have players in the team that we can't rely on, and that's not just about mentality. It's also about uh, physical availability. And and yes, Kieran Westwood is, and he's probably going to uh, hate tweet me now, like he did uh, certain other uh, Wednesday fans. But he is injury prone. Uh, so again, you can't build a team with a fundamental block like the goalkeeper with Kieran Westwood. Uh, and as an aside, I don't even think he's the best keeper at the club, but that's just my opinion. Uh, I've said a few unpopular okay, opinions nice, in this podcast nice. so far. <laughs> um, we've got Derby coming up then on uh, Saturday, tomorrow. Um, we've talked a bit about how the, the fragility of our mm. midfield and defence and that, you know, someone with a little bit of football nous would would be able to rip them to bits i wonder what odds we'd get on win rooney bagging a hat trick at this stage <laughs> um because footballers don't come much kind of cleverer other than um yeah. than than win rooney so i'm assuming that he's playing I've, I've not i've not really been following much of what's going on with um derby yeah. to be honest because i've been too kind of um caught up and absorbed in in our own issues but um you know the, the prospect of win rooney playing against our defence as it stands right now is is a little bit worrying, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, I think it. We, we I w- would hope that Monk doesn't change a lot from the Charlton game, but he might have to to do make make some changes due to fitness. And he, he alluded to that in his uh, his comments as well in, in the press conference. 
um, that he's he's looking at the fitness of players and seeing how they they're getting on. But he might have be tempted to go to uh, to similar um, uh, formation and, and tactic like he did against QPR, where we effectively man marked uh, Isi out of the uh, out of the game. Um, he might be tempted to do that with Rooney. The thing with Rooney is though he is very football intelligent, but he's also getting on a bit. So he's not he's he does not carry a, a pace for it. And they've, they've got um, a, a, like you, I'm not exactly uh, clued up about Derby either. But they got uh, Martin Macron, who's got quite a few for them. He's not exactly um, a, a pace ace either. So, so that threat to the um, to to the back, to the space behind our defence uh, that Charlton definitely looked at um, uh, hitting, and, and teams have hit this season against us. That threat is not that big for for us against Derby. And, and if you look at Derby's numbers, they're not that terrifying a prospect and I'm saying this all the while knowing that uh, our record against Derby <laughs> generally it's is not very good <laughs> but but Philip Cucu is, is building a team uh, for next season and and it's admirable how they've they've stuck with him and not sacked him um, but he's he's probably looking at his shoulder with Rooney at the club and, and it's quite obvious that they might move him into the managerial office at some point you can see it coming a mile off can't yeah, you see, yeah so yeah, you, you, you but, would, I, would, I imagine it's quite strange being the manager there thinking oh I've got this great player who will be taking my job when the time comes yeah but Cuckoo is, was, was a good player as well and he's, he's had good success uh, as a manager as well so he's, he's no he's no uh, he's no small name is he but the funny thing about Derby though is if you if you listen to if you just cursory read through what, what um, Cuckoo's been saying after their games and before their games sort of similar issues to us it's um, lapses of concentration it's having uh, having the ball but not doing anything with the ball um, and I think that would suit us a lot better against Derby because Charlton came here to do a job on us it was a smash and grab uh, formation all night long uh, and they were really deep I think Derby will insist on trying to play football and that generally tends to suit us especially if, if the team we're playing against that, that do that do not have uh pace burning everywhere on the, on, the, on the on the pitch so I could see I could see Derby being a good match against us so Q us now losing 5-0 of course but, but, but do you know what I mean <laughs> well I mean the good news is that it gets easier after that because after Derby we've got Man City <laughs> um, and I don't think they've done anything for the last few seasons have they I can't no. I, don't think, I don't think they've won anything um, yeah and, and we've obviously got this particularly strange situation whereby realistically the FA Cup's the best chance City have got of winning something mm. this season. So, mm. whereas normally you might expect them to play a slightly weakened team or maybe a very weakened team, that that might not be the case and they may go fairly um, close to full strength. Um, brilliant for people that are going to the game because it means that you'll, you know, you'll see some world-class footballers. Um, slightly worrying in terms of if we're, if, if we're sat here a bit worried about what Wayne Rooney might do, then... Um, Crikey, you know, the prospect of, of what uh, a fairly full-strength Man City... There's nobody uh, better than Stephen Fletcher, not even Kunagero. <laughs> At last, the two legends of football will meet. Um, yeah, so um, it, it, it's impossible to kind of really sort of offer up any kind of you know, realistic sort of analysis of how that game could go really um, I think what we've got to do is just hope you know like you know Arsenal a few years ago played mm. a fairly full strength yep. team um, you never, you just never know do you no it's, football is a big random mess uh, the favourites in football only win 50% of the time which is uh, the lowest percentage of any sport um, big sport in, in the world so so football is uh, is a lot more random than, than most people make out uh, so it's definitely not a foregone conclusion and the, the th- I think the mistake we've made um, in the lead up to this game is setting the ticket prices at £25. If if the ground is not brimming full when you're playing probably one of the five best teams in the world uh, who are likely to play um, if not a full-strength side, so at least a, uh, a side with, with world-class footballers in it. If you can't fill your ground for that, that tells for £25, which is steep, I would say, for, for, for a cup game where when we normally have half uh, half full uh, Hillsborough, it, 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 it was a golden opportunity to fill Hillsborough and maybe create some momentum, even if we lose, say, 2-1 or whatever, but we have an admirable defeat. Even that could generate a lot of momentum going into the last league games, uh, in my mind. And you, you can see how big a lift it gives the players when, when we get behind them. Um, and, and aren't just apathetic or, or, or on their backs. Uh, you could see that against Charlton. How we, it's, a, it's a really good cycle when 
we try to get a, a play at teams and and the crowd responds and that seems to gee up the players even more um so as it's just a, it's it annoys me that we've we've gone with extracting maybe a, an extra 20,000 uh, pounds from from selling those tickets rather than filling Hillsborough and 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 saying it's it's not worth it and only it's, it's on TV it's been picked for TV which means mm. that you know we'll be getting yeah. we'll be getting money the, the, it's yeah. at Hillsborough so there's no um, VAR so we don't have to pay anything towards that like yeah. you know it's <laughs> it's uh, yeah it, 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 I, I agree in terms of the fact that it just feels a little bit short-sighted and when the ticket prices were announced a lot of people said oh that's great that you know it's uh, they've done it at a really decent price and I remember thinking then it's like it's feel, it does feel too much it yeah. does feel like um, it will put people off and um, I've not checked recently but as of you know a few days ago if you if you went on had a look at like mm. the stadium plan on the ticket yeah. site and you see there's you know, there's a lot of areas where availability is still really good and you know that obviously would suggest that unless people are leaving it quite late and, yeah. and the deadline's passed for season ticket holders to secure their mm. seat um, so you know unless it is going to be a bit of a last minute rush and if we beat Derby on Saturday who knows maybe yeah. that will you know get a few True. fans and they'll go yeah, alright fine I'm going to I'm, I'm going to you know kind of take a punt and, and, and go but um but I mean, what- I mean I've come over and I've paid £33 for Charlton in midweek I've paid £39 for for Derby uh, on a Saturday the, the level of pricing compared to what we are seeing if, if you're going to take a, a strict consumer viewpoint here it's ridiculous and if you look at the extra revenue that raises we're talking Around or less than what Stephen Fletcher has paid a year. That's that's the difference between the prices Tensier is charging now and the prices we were charging before. It's not it's it's not it's not something that will uh, transform the the uh, finance of the club if if we do that. And you need to th- remember that we have <laughs> we have some really really hot competition on our doorstep. Uh, why would a young kid growing up in Sheffield? Um, with the history between them, between us and and and, uh, and United and all that, still there. But if you wanted to see the best fo- footballs in the world, you can see them at Bramall Lane, uh, and it's not definitely not United. I'm talking about, but 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 you you're, but you cannot do that in the Premier League, and that 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 means they will have a magnetic uh, draw t- towards young kids. So why did we not, for the FA Cup games, think, well, this is our chance to to also get uh, get the best footballs in the world to, to Hillsborough. Make it free for kids. And and the, so keep it at 25, but make it free for kids. So dads can take their sons, moms can take their daughters to, to, to football and, and create an experience where they think, okay, if it turns out to be a magical night like, like uh, Brighton in the playoff semi-final or, or Arsenal, Hillsborough in the lights, with the lights, etc., that is the sort of experience that creates a fan for life. That is a much more worthwhile exp- uh, yeah. investment than, than extracting another twenty, thirty thousand pounds from from the revenue. Do you remember that um, survey the club did a couple of years ago now about <laughs> would you rather have ticket prices as they are now or return to how they were before and not have the world class players that we were uh, signing? Them, them uh, the sli- slightly wonky bargain then. Yeah. Uh, right, on to our opinions. So um, last week we asked quite straightforward whether or not you were still backing Gary Monk. Did you vote in this one? I think I did, yeah. I Which- back him. You back him, right? Yeah. Cool. You you are in the majority. Um, although actually, it was a little bit closer than I thought it would be. Sixty three percent of fans saying they do still back um, Gary Monk. Uh, this week we are um, well. We're going to go down the cup route. So I want your um, favourite cup tie involving Sheffield Wednesday. Um, it can either be one that you were you were there or just one that, that you watched. The games I expect will come out for some of the kind of maybe younger fans, probably Arsenal will, will come up. Um, for fans of a, a, a slightly more senior disposition, um, then you know I'm going to think back to uh, obviously the 91 Cup final, um, beating Sheffield United at, at Wembley in 93. That's going to stick out. But I also remember, and I think it was from that 93 Cup run, an amazing game at the baseball ground where we drew 3 all with Derby. Um, and it was, we, we were in the Premier League, Derby were in the um, First Division, as was. Um, and it was... 
just an incredible end-to-end game of football. Fantastic. Loads of really good goals. It was obviously it was a night match under the floodlights. That old baseball ground was a, a cracking stadium if you actually managed to get there alive, which was actually a challenge, but it was a great, great football stadium. And that that's, sticks out in my mind, which is strange, you know, why, why I'd remember that. But yeah, just remember that being a, a real amazing night. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, I got into Wednesday during the 92-93 season. I was 10 at the time. So the, my first memory of watching Wednesday is the uh, the FA Cup final replay uh, where I was allowed to stay up. My mum allowed me to stay up even though it was, it was a school night. Um, so uh, so I, I probably have to hark to, to, to the uh, to League Cup win against Arsenal as well, as as, uh, as, 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 as that is. Um, again, because most games uh, until I follow wasn't televised in, in Denmark, so I didn't get to watch... Uh, that many Wednesday's games, so I would always listen on uh, on the on the club commentary and on, 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 the, on the official website. But but that Arsenal game, I, I remember uh, well because it was also one of those uh, weird uh, weird days after where people in my workplace and people I uh, socialised with actually mentioned it to me. Oh, I saw it on the Wednesday went one against Arsenal, and that feeling of oh yeah, it used to be like this. That people actually knew who we were. And now when I mention I'm a Wednesday fan, it's, it's like first of all, it's like people don't know who it is, or it's it's they think I'm a, a weirdo, which is probably true. But it's 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 it was just funny that 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 also sticks in the mind for me because it was it was a window back into how we were all those years ago, and and and. The tyranny of of, uh, of remembrance is what has been ruining this club for for decades now. But but we do like to reminisce, and that was a night where we could close our eyes and and uh, even though I was watching it on TV at home, I could close my eyes and and listen to the crowd, and it felt like a, a Premier League game, and it felt like Wednesday at the top tier of, of football again for a fleeting moment, uh, as it turned out. But so that's I've, I've, I I imagine you're right that that many people will will hark to that uh, as, as a as a particular highlight. Uh, yeah, do let us know on Twitter um, what yeah what cup tie involving Wendy really stands out for you. Uh, speaking of um, Twitter, give us a shout out for your handle. Yeah, it's a bit complicated seeing as I'm a Danish person with a, a weird last name. Uh, it's uh, at P L O E H M A N N. Brilliant. Um, thank you for your time. Enjoy the rest of your stay in Sheffield. Hopefully the weather will improve slightly <laughs> on what it has been like today. Um, Dom obviously isn't here, but you can still track him down on Twitter at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott. And you can contact the show at Dom and James. Big thank you to our gold sponsors, Title Law, who you can find at titolaw.co.uk. Thank you for joining us. If you do like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app of choice. Up the owls and see you next week. 